Thanks for tuning into Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Maran Walters. My guest today is the first elder of the Okinawa International Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's a projects planner, air conditioning craftsman, and host presenter of God is Love Ministries. Anthony Kuhn, welcome to the Upward Way. Well, thank you so much, brother, for having me. It's a blessing to be here. It's my joy and my delight to have you here today to share with our listeners and also myself your story. Now, to begin things, could you just walk us through your faith journey in terms of telling us how it is that you came to be a Christian? Let's say I was born in a Christian faith. My dad was a Catholic. My mother was a Muslim, but uh, she kind of left the Muslim faith and uh, she became a Baptist. But she was now a practicing Christian. Eventually, she got converted by the Lord and she started going to church regularly. Actually, she became a Seventh-day Adventist. At that time, I was in the uh, Catholic Church. I was on a scholarship in the Catholic Church, and my mother became a Seventh-day Adventist, and she came and removed us from the Catholic Church, from the Catholic school, and she brought us to where she was in the capital city of Marofia. That's how we actually became Christian, and we started to practice and actually go to church. Okay, so, you know, what age were you during those times? Were you in your infancy? Were you in your childhood years? During your teenage years? That time when you first, I would say, got contact with this Christian faith? Uh, actually, uh, I was an infant when I got baptized in the Catholic Church. But uh, when we came to live with my mom, after she actually got into the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and we came to her, I got baptized at the age, I think, 13, 14. I got baptized. At that time, I was actually at a boarding school in Ghana. And uh, that's where I got baptized as a Seventh-day Adventist. Wonderful. Sounds, sounds pretty interesting thus far. I noticed you mentioned Ghana, but I know that is not where you are from. So could you share which country you are originally from? And you could just give us a little snippet as to what life was like for you during those early years growing up. I'm originally from Liberia, West Africa, on the coast of the Atlantic Ocean, a beautiful, beautiful country. Growing up, it was nice. It was peaceful. We could walk the street without fear of being, you know, kidnapped or things like that. And uh, I was stable full with rice. We ate a lot of that growing up. And it was fun growing up. However, it all came to a halt by a civil war that probably we will talk about later. But just growing up as a boy, as a toddler, as a teenager. It was nice. It was nice. Childhood memories are usually very nice. Right now, you are you serve as a, the first elder of the Okinawa International Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I noticed that you also, uh, you are also a host presenter of this program, you know, God is Love Ministries on YouTube, your own YouTube channel. So with all of that, plus you have your, you know, full-time job, now, how do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth? That's a beautiful question. A very beautiful question. Uh, 
to be truthful with you, I don't know. It is just by the power of God. <laughs> you, know, you know, something interesting. I recall when I was doing my master's degree, it was extremely time consuming. I spent a lot of time writing papers, making research and things like that. And then I realized that I was taking time away from my family. So then I prayed to the Lord, said, Lord, if you carry me through this program, when I'm done, upon my graduation, I'm going to allocate this time to be of your business. And looking back, I don't understand how I had the time to even do my master's degree. I have four kids. I'm the only one that's working. I need time for my family. But God heard my prayer and God carried me through. So going back to your question, how do I find time to be of the Lord's business? I don't know. God carries me through. I do about one or two videos a week and uh, I have a full-time job. God carried me through. He gives me a desire to want to spread his word. I truly believe, my brother, I truly believe that we are saved to serve. And he has put a desire in my heart to want to share his word. And he also gave me the time to do that. Thank God for that. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. It is not easy sometimes to carve out time because we only have 24 hours in the day. But as you said, you don't really know, but God has been the one who has made it possible for you. It is also the case that God communicates to us and he communicates to us in so many different capacities, in so many different ways. What would you say is um, the method that God uses most frequently whenever he communicates with you? Interesting question. Uh, believe it or not, God, <laughs> even my wife, have, she has noticed that God used the method that I call repeating scripture. He speaks to me sometimes when I'm sleeping, I get up in the morning with a scripture on my mind. And when I go to the Bible, doing my devotion, I see a scripture relating to the scripture that he gave me. And then through the day, I'm also being bombarded by scriptures that have the same connotation. And then it's down on me that God wants for me to slow down and focus on this scripture. And before the day ends, it's amazing how it works. I will realize that it was God that was giving me all those little nuggets, you know, bright crumbs all over the place. And also he speaks to me through his word. When I open the Bible to read, I see things in there that either directly relating to what we are praying for as a family or what I am praying for personally. And he calms me down and it's amazing. It's amazing how he speaks to me through his word. I can't imagine there's any better way for him to speak to us than through his words. You seem to be someone who reads a lot. I am assuming that, and you know, we are often told not to assume things, but in this case, <laughs> you know, I am assuming that you really read a lot. So what book, separate and apart from the Bible, of course, feel free, you could also say the Bible, but what books have you read or what book have you read that would have had the greatest impact on your life thus far? <laughs> Yes, of course, they are babbled, but uh, a book written by Ty Gibson, it is entitled The Sonship of Christ. I would re recommend, you know, folks to read that book and also The Great Controversy, a lot of books written by Ellen G. White. He's a Christian writer, The Great Controversy, The Desire of Ages, and Step to Christ. If you want to come to Christ, Step to Christ is a very interesting book. So all those books, actually, uh, I have read them and... They have all impacted me in various ways. But when I was 
16, 17 years old, God introduced me to his word. And I fell in love with the word of God. And since then, I've been reading the Bible. So the Bible is number one. And then those ones that I mentioned also impacted me in a very profound way. Great, great, great. I also enjoy reading the book Steps to Christ. I think that was maybe one of the first books I read when I became a Christian myself. What would you say is the most difficult thing or the easiest thing about being a Christian? Interesting question. The most difficult thing of being a Christian. Hmm. And again, this question varies with different, I mean, with individual. Everybody will have their own response. But uh, right. it's just the fact that uh, as Christians, as a Christian, I know without a shadow of doubt that what's written in the Bible is true. And there are a lot of situations in the Bible that was not good for unbelievers. The days of Noah, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, we saw the, the result of evildoers. So as Christians, with all that in my mind, and when I'm trying to talk to somebody who don't believe in God, and they are rejecting light, it's difficult. It is difficult because I just know, it's like you're telling your child to not touch the hot stove, and he's just putting his hand on the stove. It is difficult to watch him do that. So as a Christian, to watch somebody rejecting light, the truth that's supposed to save us for eternity, to watch someone just repeatedly denying it and rejecting it, that's kind of hard for me. And the easiest thing? Oh, wow. Is there an easy thing? <laughs> Being a Christian is not hard, but uh, I mean, it's not easy. However, I recall when I moved to Arkansas, you, you know how sometimes you want to impress God by going to church, by doing things in the church, by just doing, 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 thinking that it has any impact on how much God loves you. When I went to Arkansas, I read a book. And from that book, I realized that regardless of how long I've been a Christian or what I do for God, God loves me the same way he loves the man that is on death row in a prison. What I do doesn't make him to love me more. What that man did, didn't, I mean, would not make God to love him more or less. God loves the whole world. When I came to the understanding of that, it took a lot of weight off my shoulder and it made my Christian journey easy. Chris have done all the work. I just got to trust him. We are sin, of course, but I just got to trust him that he's loving enough to forgive me if I confess my sin. That really make my Christian walk easier. Quite an interesting way to put it. I, I, I don't imagine anyone else would answer the way you have done, but it's really interesting. Being a Christian, you have outlined, you know, what would have been maybe one of the most difficult thing and also what would have been the easiest thing. And despite having God by our side, etc., sometimes we face challenges, we face difficulties. Now, what would have been one of the most difficult experiences you'd have had in life and also what would have been your strategy for overcoming that difficulty or that difficult phase? I have quite a bit. Uh, I've been through a civil war, but I'm not going to go there because the long story. So I'm just going to just go to uh, what happened to me, I think, 2019. You know, as you alluded to earlier, I'm the first editor of my church. And uh, so <laughs> with that in mind, one day I came home from uh, work and my daughter was mowing the lawn. She called me to go and help her do something. So I went out there 
while trying to help her. I don't know what happened, but it was so quick. I chopped off my middle finger, the tip of my middle finger. And when I saw my finger, it shocked me. I just couldn't believe what had just happened. And believe it or not, the first thought that came to mind was, why me? What have I done to deserve that? You know, and that start to sing in my mind that this shouldn't happen to me. I love the Lord. And then I don't know where it came from. It came vividly in my mind. And then instantly, instantly another thought came to my mind. What about Job? What about Job? I was so shocked that I would even think like that. You know, so that actually was difficult because just before that, my dad was in the hospital fighting for his life. And then at work, my co-workers gang up against me. And there was a huge investigation. They had to remove me from my workplace because they claimed that I was proclaiming the word of God. So Satan attacked me three times. My father was sick. I had to take emergency leave to go and see him. They removed me from my workplace because they claimed that I stressed them out talking about God. And then my finger, in less than three weeks, all those things happened to me. It was tough. However, God assured me, he assured me, he made me to relax by giving me the story of Job, by reminding me of the story of Job. And that was a beautiful experience. It was hard. It was very hard, but God carried me through. The thought that enters my mind is when it rains, it pours. As you said, there were three significant things. Your, your father being sick and the mental strain, then losing a part of your finger and then being persecuted at work. That must have been really challenging, but you did say you were able to overcome. And that is the important thing. You know, the Bible says we are more than conquerors. So that was your situation. Along your journey, have you ever had any experiences that would have caused you to doubt God? And I say doubt God, not necessarily to doubt his existence, but maybe doubt his plan for your life or you doubted the direction in which he was leading you? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, as I said, you know, I didn't want to go on the long path, but when I was in Liberia, we had a civil war. And uh, during the civil war, everything stopped. Everything came to a stop. We didn't have any money. There was no school. Everything was shut down. We didn't have any food. And this continued for a while. I reached to the point where I thought that was it for me. Surrounded by fear, surrounded by chaos and uncertainty. I didn't know when I was going to go back to school. I didn't know what would become of me. At that time, I thought that was it for me. I couldn't see how God would take me from that situation. It was so hopeless that I couldn't see a way through. And uh, I couldn't see how God would have taken me through. And that cast some doubt in my mind. But by his grace, he kept you along the way. Amen. What would you say would surprise most persons about you? Let me ask a lighter question. What do you think would surprise most persons about Anthony Kuhn? <laughs> I'm just going to just uh, say what I have experienced. You know, normally I interact with people. I'm here in Japan from Africa. I went to America and then I'm here working in Japan. So when I tell people that I came to America as a refugee, I came to America with two pairs of pants and a shoes and a few shirts. Normally, they don't believe it. What? 
you're a refugee? I say, yes, yes, I came with nothing because they look at my current status and they don't imagine me coming from a very humble and hopeless status. All right. And you have touched on something which caused me um, to think, you know, within our church, I remember a few years ago, can't remember exactly how many years ago, but let me just say it was about eight years ago. I went to a camp meeting. It was, we say, Lay Preachers Institute um, back home in Jamaica. And one of the things on the agenda at the time was, you know, making our churches centers of influence. And I remember the president for our local conference, the Central Jamaica Conference of Churches, mentioned that, you know, as a church, we should look to take care of the needs of others. And I remember at the time it was mentioned that, you know, there are many persons who are displaced across the world. There are some persons, they have an attitude towards persons who they classify, you know, to be refugees, as you just mentioned. What would be your message to individuals who tend to think that because a person is in a situation where they are seeking refuge, you know, elsewhere, that they are no good, they are no body, they have nothing to contribute. Based on your own experience, what would be your message to individuals who would have had that negative mindset, ignoring the charge? from, as I say, our conference president to embrace, you know, to do what we can to ensure that those persons are taken care of? Thank you for the question, because uh, looking back at my life, you know, what happened to my life, I think I can share that for people to hear and understand that, uh, oh, the downfall of a man is not the end of his life. You know, when things was hard for me, I recall I used to be pretty afraid just walking around. I was so afraid but when I started going to church, I started trusting in the Lord, a phrase that I was repeating over and over again was, regardless of how bad your situation may be, regardless of how dangerous, how hopeless it may seem, it has nothing to do with God's plan for your life. This phrase, for some reason, God connected me with this phrase, and I was just saying it over and over Whatever I'm going through now, it has nothing to do with God's plan for my life. So for those that don't think that uh, people have hope, God is a God of hope. God wants for us to rely on him 100%. When you look in the Bible, you see a lot of hopeless situations. One that I actually look at repeatedly is when the children of Israel was coming from Egypt. When they looked ahead of them, they saw the Red Sea. There was no way out. When they looked behind them, they saw the Egyptians coming. There was no way out. They were trapped. I guarantee you, if you or myself was in that situation, we would have felt trapped and hopeless as well. Just like those that are in the refugee camp feeling trapped and hopeless. But when you look at the story, we know how the story ended. They triumphed. God made a way. When we think that we have no way out, that's when God comes in and he does his God thing. And God thing starts when man thing ends. So I just want to encourage those that are in the camp and those that are making fun out of them, both of them, that God can make the impossible possible. God can make the impossible possible. Praise the Lord. If I was in church, I would shout a big amen. You left a statement with me, which I will re-echo for my own sake and also for those who listen. The downfall of a man is not the end of his life. And I'm going to say it another time. The downfall of a man is not the end of his life. And so as you share the story of the Israelites making their journey from Egypt toward the promised land of Canaan, they had 
the sea before them. They had the army behind them. There was no way to go, but God did make a way. And so I will also ask another question. You know, there are so many persons who find it difficult to trust God's plans for their lives. You know, I have been saying to my friends in recent times that God wants the best for us. But why do you think there are so many persons who find it difficult to trust God's plan for their lives so much so that sometimes they even walk away from the faith? Just your own perspective on that one. There are many different reasons, you know, why they don't know or understand God's plans for their lives. No, one has to listen to hear God's voice. Many times we are too busy making our own plans. We don't listen to hear from God. Again, one has to listen to hear God's voice. Many times, you know, we are too busy making our own plans and we don't wait. We don't listen to hear from God because many of them will say, I have prayed. I have prayed. I don't know what's going on. Sometimes we pray and as soon as God wants to speak to us, we get up and leave. When it comes to relationship, you have to talk and listen for the next person to talk to you. So we pray. We don't sit down and meditate and wait for God to talk to us, to hear from God. And also, they don't have no doubt. This also boils down to the relationship. We have to have, like the husband and wife. If I'm the only one talking in my house and my wife is not talking back to me, that is not a relationship. Have you ever heard from God? If not, maybe you're not waiting to hear from him when you pray. Prayer, sometimes you have to listen. To see, to hear what God have to tell you, and some people find it hard to trust God's plan for their life because God's plan is in conflict with their own plans. So, if God say left and they say right, that may not be from God because that's not what I want. You know, so there are different reasons why we find it hard to trust God's plan. But uh, sometimes and most of the time, we don't even wait for God to tell us. I'm going to follow that question with one that is personal for you as well. Would you say that God has ever given you an assignment that you would say, no, God, you know, I don't want to do this one. Please take this assignment from, from me. Give it to someone else. Has God ever given you an assignment that you didn't want to do any at all? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. And this is pretty interesting. I will have to establish a little background for it to completely make sense. You know, for my job, normally you request to become an instructor. You request to go and do a, a job before they sent you. However, I was selected to go and become an instructor and I have an accent and I'm shy. So I was like, why? Are you serious? I would have never volunteered to do this. However, God put me there and I started to, you know, I was sent to school and the, the uh, framing, how to speak, how to public speak and things like that have to participate in public speaking and things like that so i got kind of comfortable and at the same time we we're going to church and participating in the church activities teaching sabbath school and things like that the pastor asked me one day hey uh anthony can you preach this coming sabbath i was shocked i'm like what in the world are you talking about i have never preached before i don't even know how to preach I said, no. So I turned it down. And when I turned it down, obviously, this is God telling me. What I didn't know that God was preparing me to preach from 
they want, but I didn't see it like that. You know, all the instructor training, all the public speaking, it was good, but it did not down on me at a time. So I said, no. Then we were going home after the composition and then the spirit convicted me. And I felt pretty remorseful. Why did you say no? So I prayed, I said, Lord, if it was your will, let him ask me again. But our pastor didn't ask me and then he, he was moved. And another pastor came to the church. I guarantee you, it didn't take long. He asked me to preach. I'm like, okay, Lord, that's what you want. And I preached. And this was 2012. And since then, I've been asked to preach many times after that. So, yes, I said no, but God is persistent. He will get what he wants. The thing, too, is that it is often said that God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Because so as with all of that training, you were being qualified for what was to come. In a conversation with someone who has never heard about God, what would you tell this person about God from your own experience? In other words, who is God for, Anthony? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> one thing I've realized, going to church doesn't make you to know who God is. Being born in a Christian home doesn't make you to know who God is. I was both. I was going to church. I was born in a Christian home, but I did not know who God is or was. No, I did not know anything about God going through the motion. Who God is, you know, if, if I have to uh, explain that to somebody, I would just have to just share a quick story to uh, kind of reinforce my point. During the war, we went to a village or a town where we were living. I was a Seventh-day Adventist, living with my grandfather, who was a Catholic, and I never used to go to church. Believe it or not, we used to mock the Seventh-day Adventist, and I was a Seventh-day Adventist. We used to call Seventh-day Adventist Seven Devil of Africa, and I was a Seventh-day Adventist. That's how disconnected I was with God and the church. Then a girl used to walk by the road, and I thought she was attractive. So I asked, I inquired about her, and my uncle said, oh, she's going to your church. Okay, interesting. The next Sabbath, I was in church, and I saw the girl, and I talked to the girl, and uh, eventually, she and I started talking, but a new pastor came to the church, a Nigerian pastor, and then who said to have Bible studies, God wasted no time with me. God arrested me. And I told the girl, even though we're just talking, dating, nothing deep was going on, but I told her even that was wrong. God gave me a new heart. God arrested me. You know, one way you get to understand God when you start to find that likeness, that love, that affinity for his word. I went from never opening the Bible to reading the Bible for hours a day. I started to understand how when I do bad things, it's not just wrong, but it hurt God. I started to have compassion for God because I understood how much he loved me by reading his word. And then a relationship began to be established. You know, you love your wife so much, you don't want to hurt her. And vice versa, the wife loves the husband, she doesn't want to hurt him. That's what relationship is all about. Thinking about how your action affect the other person. And for me, when I started doing that, and then God started to open my mind, he started to open my mind and gave me understanding about his love. 
The Bible says God is love. Sometimes we want to go and understand God. You just have to understand the concept, the principle of love. And when God revealed that to me, and I don't know the whole principle of love. Love is deep. We'll continue to study love even in heaven. We'll never understand love. Because love is a deep concept that human beings with our fragile mind can't understand. God came in the flesh. God came in the flesh with love. Jesus Christ is love. He demonstrated love. The word that came from his mouth was love. His action was love. God gave us love in the person of Christ. Just to give us an understanding of love. And it just blew my mind when God started to just reveal things to me about love. You want to know about me? Understand how to love. That's why even Jesus Christ broke down the Ten Commandments into two. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbors as yourself. When you do that, then you begin to understand who God is. I hope I didn't, I hope I answered your question, but uh, that's the best answer I, I could have given. The question is, who is God to you? And you have defined it. God is love. It's about getting to know him. And once you have gotten a chance to know him, then as the Bible did say, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. I will ask you another question along the line that has to do with, you know, you being a busy person. You are a husband, you're a father, you have your own online ministry to an extent you have your full-time job. So what would you say is the key to maintaining balance in your own life? How do you strike the balance? Actually, uh, first of all, prayers. I have to pray for God to give me discernment. Something that I use, you know, I prioritize. What is very important to me, and not just me, and also to my family. And God comes first because the word of God says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. The Bible said all other things. I think God was very intentional about that. I think that Bible verse extremely, literally. So seek God first and all other things will be added unto you. You know, going back to when I was doing my master's degree, have a lot of homework to do, have family, but I did not do any schoolwork on the Sabbath. And God always gave me time to complete my homework. So putting God first, that's the first priority. And then my family and then my job, you know. Now, I'm not slacking on my job. I'm still performing. But that's the order that I go by. I seek God first. Even if I am late for a meeting or something, God will find a way to make me to not be in trouble. You know, he will find a way if you put him first. And that's what I do in my family. There have never been a strain on my family. My wife has never been mad at me because I'm spending too much time with the word. Sometimes she say, yes, come and do this. But she has never found, in fact, she joined the ministry. We both doing the ministry together. So, but I think the secret is to take God at his word. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. And you did mention your prioritizing strategy. My final question to you is along these lines. What... Do you think or do you feel that God is calling you to do right now? So if you could start a new ministry or if you could build, you know, on your present ministry, what would that be? And also, who would it serve? Thank you. Uh, I believe God has put this desire on my mind to spread his word. You know, I didn't uh, say a lot about this from the beginning, but uh, 
I came to America as a refugee and God carried me through a very tough life. I saw people being killed. I saw children dying from starvation. I saw fear. When I say fear, fear is real. I saw fear. I saw hunger. And those combinations, fear and hunger, can make a man do things that they never thought they were capable of doing. And God carried me all through those situations. He saved me to serve him. I believe God has brought me into this world to serve him, to spread his word. When I was a baby, I mean, before I was born, my mother, I just had my sister. When my sister was six months old, she got pregnant with me. She didn't want a baby. She did everything she could do to abort the child. She took every medication she could pick to abort the baby. God saved me. When I was born, I was fragile. My left side, it was just shrinking. Right now, I can see through my left eye because of all the things that she took. God saved me for a purpose. When I was in Liberia, many times I was almost killed. I rebels. God saved me for a purpose. I remember one day I read the Bible for about two hours. When I got through, I, I was going to bed and uh, this man was sleeping. I mean, we slept together. My uncle, you know, we slept together on the bed and I was praying Then he was sleeping. It was around two, three. He uh, just jumped up from bed. About 45 minutes in my prayer, he jumped up from bed and he slapped me on my back. And I stopped my prayer abruptly and I asked him why. He was shouting and yelling, let us pray, let us pray. It was dark. Let us pray. I asked him why. Why? He said, God is in this room. I was sleeping and I saw somebody standing over there with white outfit. When I reached for the person, I touched you. So God is here. I told him, I said, I was just praying. I was just praying. He said, God is here. So we sang some songs. We sang some songs. And I was, I choked him. I was so nervous. I was so afraid. We went to bed that night. I had a dream. I had a dream. Jesus came in the yard. I couldn't see his face, but I saw him. He came in the yard. And there was a lot of people sitting in the yard. I was the only person that went behind him. I went behind him. He went on the road. And then he ascended, but he showed me his palm, like wait. He told me to wait. And I waited across the street. He ascended and went up into heaven. I don't understand that dream. But one thing I do know, Jesus wants for me to do or to spread his word. Jesus have a purpose for my life. I don't know what it is yet. But one thing I do know, so long I am breathing, so long I have life, by his grace, I will spread his word because we are saved to serve. Thank you. We are saved to serve. My guest today is Anthony Kuhn. He's the first elder of the Okinawa International Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's a projects manager, hair conditioning craftsman, and host presenter of God is Love Ministries. Now, Anthony, just before we go, as is customary, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Oh, yes. Uh, first of all, again, thank you for this opportunity. And uh, thank God, because... Believe it or not, God is in the details of everything. Those that are listening to this message, you are not listening to this message by accident. God is in the details of your life. He worked you up this morning. He set you on your way. Everything that you do with God being the subject is, is a divine appointment. So I hope and pray that this message encouraged you to learn to trust God 
and learn to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, I guarantee you everything will be okay. You've been in tune to The Upward Way. Do join us again next week as we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. You can subscribe to weekly episodes on Apple, Spotify, and Listen Notes, or download the AWR app from the Play Store. Until then, I am Marlon Walters. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.